invite you to remain standing a moment longer for this morning's reading from the Gospel. I'll be reading from Luke's Gospel, the fourth chapter, verses 1 through 13. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for forty days He was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, He was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only Him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you to protect you. And... On their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. As I mentioned the outset of the worship experience this morning. This is the Lenten season. This is the first Sunday of Lent. If you were able to be with us on Ash Wednesday, uh, Wednesday night, then you know that Ash Wednesday is the start. But this is the first Sunday. We have 40 days in the Lenten season, not counting the Sundays. They are our mini Easter's, if you will, as we prepare for Resurrection Sunday. And so we, in a way, are journeying with Jesus uh, and and in the coming weeks with His disciples in a way that helps us not just commemorate the 40 days that Jesus spent wandering, searching, fasting in the wilderness, but also it allows us to consider those same kinds of experiences for our own lives and how we have this opportunity during these 40 days to also draw closer, to draw nearer to our God. So this is uh, a time for us, a season of preparation. In the traditions of the early Christian church, uh, as I mentioned Wednesday night, the season of Lent was a time for people who had not been baptized to prepare themselves for baptism on Easter Sunday morning. You can imagine when when the church began to grow, the numbers of people who had not been baptized at that point, and so there were numbers of people who on Easter Sunday morning uh, would line up as a part of the Easter Sunday celebration to receive that outward mark uh, of God's inner grace going on in their lives. And so that that Lent has been important uh, for those uh, folks as well as for us, but it's also... Uh, for the early church and as it is today, for those of us uh, who have been baptized to also have a season of intentional penitence. And so we uh, heighten up our awareness of the sin, of, of, the, 
the brokenness in our lives that keeps us separated from God. We use these 40 days uh, to talk more about sin and our estrangement from God than, than so many other seasons of the Christian year. And so this is an intentional but important uh, time for us as Christians getting ready for Easter. In this uh, scripture that I read to you this morning, uh, one of the things that uh, hopefully you picked up on was that Jesus has come back from the Jordan River. Now, if we had started reading from the first chapter and then got to where we were this morning in chapter 4, we would have seen Jesus being baptized in the Jordan River. So Jesus is fresh from His own baptism. Remember, Jesus has no sin, but He got into the baptismal waters to, to be a part of our lives, to show us that baptism is important for us. And so Jesus comes here now, and remember those words that we heard in that experience of Jesus at His baptism when He came up out of the baptismal waters? The voice from heaven that said, this, this is My Son. And remember as the voice is being heard, this is My Son, the, the, the dove descending upon Jesus, the dove symbolic of the, the Holy Spirit coming in fullness and power upon Jesus. And so Jesus now, having been affirmed by the Heavenly Father, that He is the Son, having experienced the power and fullness of the Holy Spirit coming upon Him, now comes to a time that we call His wilderness wandering. Forty days that He will wander in the wilderness. Forty days that He will fast. You know, fasting is an important uh, means of grace for us Christians. Not just because Jesus fasted for 40 days, but in in this opportunity to fast, you and I are invited to, to experience God's love in greater ways. And you might be saying, Pastor, how? I get hungry. I fast for the morning breakfast and by noon my stomach is just growling. It's, it's, it's nodding up because I'm so hungry. But as we learn to fast, as we experience those biological uh, pains in our stomach, they can signal to us this separation from God and at the same time, invite us into a, a practice of spiritual awareness. Prayer, in other words. When, when, when the stomach growls, it can be the invitation to stop and to pray to God. Not just for the noon meal that may break your fast, but the opportunity to listen, to do some holy listening, some communication, some, some intentional time to allow God to speak to us. So again, fasting is so important. We see Jesus fasting for 40 days. He, you know, a lot of people will say, well, Pastor, Jesus was God. He couldn't have felt as hungry as you and I would after 40 days. Friends, the point uh, that I'm trying to make is, yes, Jesus is God, but He is fully human as He is fully divine. And so let's not shortchange ourselves in thinking that somehow because Jesus is God that, that He doesn't experience hunger pains. Clearly, he experienced hunger pains. Luke tells us he was famished after those 40 days. He probably couldn't wait uh, to get to the, to the Whataburger meal or whatever he desired to have after that, that experience. Jesus was certainly hungry. But what we see in these passages of Scripture, uh, of course, uh, is some external expectations. We, we see the devil beginning to tempt Jesus after he's been in this wilderness situation for 40 days. And, 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 and the devil tempts Jesus in three powerful ways. But what we see Jesus do is not just 
to reject the temptations. Not just tell the devil in these divine responses, uh, these scriptural responses to, to the devil's temptation. Not only do we see Jesus reject those temptations, but we see Jesus affirming the call upon His life. In other words, He is accepting the vocation that God has sent Him to do. This Messiahship. This labeling of Son of God. And while the devil, for instance, in that first temptation to turn a stone into bread, clearly uh, in response to recognizing that Jesus was uh, powerfully hungry, was famished, uh, not only is, is the devil trying to get Jesus to eat, but he's trying to make Jesus prove that He is the Son of God. And Jesus is not going to fall for that. Prove me. You see, we have these if-thens in this text. Not only here in this first temptation, but also in the third temptation. The devil says, if you're the Son of God, do this. And Jesus isn't going to play those kinds of games with the devil or tricks. Remember, Jesus heard those words from heaven as He emerged from the baptismal waters. This is My Son, My beloved Son, and in Him I'm well pleased. Jesus doesn't need to prove His Sonship to the devil. He wants to be loyal to the calling He has already experienced as the Son of God. You know, so often temptation comes into the world. Nobody, I think, in here can, can, can not admit you have been tempted at some point in your time. Some of you are tempted to fall asleep right now. You're missing that hour of sleep. Temptation is upon you. I'm not going to say it's the devil. Uh, but some of us are being tempted right now. But I remember, I, I read a story this uh, week from... Uh, a pastor, he said he and his family went uh, on a vacation uh, to Scotland in 2015. They they were of Scottish heritage. It was a homeland kind of a tour. And and uh, uh, they were going to do a lot of, of walking while they were traveling. They had 12 and 13 year old sons. And uh, they were walking along Loch Ness. Uh, I was expecting to hear the Loch Ness monster story, but that's not what happened. But they were walking around Loch Ness and they were going to a village that the pastor had visited on a previous experience. And so he, he knew what was in this village. It was a small village, less than a thousand people. But as they walked, it was about a ten mile walk, an intentional hike, so that the, the family could enjoy the scenery of Loch Ness and, and being together. And, and, and he said that the 12 and 13 year old boys were growing very tired very quickly. And uh, it, it, it soon dawned on he and his wife that this 10-mile trek was really going to be a challenge for them. One of the boys started complaining of, of a foot hurting, and, and uh, he and his wife shared uh, uh, a time letting the, that boy piggyback on them, trying to... And, and he said, long about 2 o'clock, he knew they were only about an hour from the village, he said complete fatigue had set in on the 12 and 13-year-old boys. Knowing they only had an hour to go, the pastor says, I, I used one of those parental subterfuges that he was not proud of at the end. But he, he looked at his watch and he said, boys, he said, we've only got about an hour to go. And in that town, there is this candy shop. But here's the deal. They close at 3.30. And the boys immediately jumped up with this new revived energy, you see, and, and, and struck out ahead of the parents. And when they got to the town and got to the candy shop, the boys noticed on the candy shop door the store hours were 9 to 5. And while they called their, that, their attention to their dad about that, the dad said, you know, without that little bit of motivation, we were just going to be stuck out there 
inch by inch trying to get to this town. So again, he didn't, he didn't say, I, I recommend using this kind of trickery, but he said, look, sometimes we need these little motivations to get us through whatever it is that's keeping us sidetracked. And friends, I think our faith is like that so often. Many things in the world distract us from these lives of faith. When we have experienced our baptism, when we have professed our faith in Jesus Christ, we, we made this commitment to live faithfully, to live as disciples. And so often things become higher priorities than our discipleship in our lives. And so we need these reminders to, to, to get us back on track, to, to give energy into our lives, to, to refuel us so that we can be people of faith. This Lenten season, at least for the first four weeks, I'm, I'm, I'm using our, uh, our vision that the church has, uh, speaking in terms of discipleship. So uh, this week we're talking about learning, the importance of learning, that first of, of learning, growing, giving, serving. Our, our vision of what a pathway of discipleship looks like for, for believers here at First Methodist Indicator. And so one of the most important things that we do is to learn. To learn. And so when we hear Jesus in this passage of Scripture, when we hear Jesus responding to these if-then temptations, if you are the Son of God, and I know as hungry as you are, if you'll just turn this stone into bread, we need to see and hear Jesus' response. What does Jesus say to him? You will not tempt. You do not live by bread alone. And who is this bread? Who is this bread? We, we haven't been shown that yet. In John's Gospel, we know that the bread that comes from heaven is Jesus. And yet Jesus teaches us these Scriptures that we can use in our walks of discipleship, that we can learn and grow by. But if we don't afford ourselves opportunities to learn, what do we have to draw upon? Perhaps it's last night's ball game, or yesterday's TV show, or next month's planned vacation. You see, it's so important for us to learn things of faith so that we can be prepared to face these temptations. So Jesus is tempted to turn that stone into bread. Jesus is tempted and we are always being tempted, but Lent gives us this opportunity to, to fortify ourselves, to, to remind ourselves of things that are vastly important than what the world is showing on TV commercials, than what we find out in the community where people are bickering and arguing, where people are sometimes looking for ways to hurt one another. Lent gives us an opportunity to be made whole. So this hunger temptation is followed by a power temptation. Jesus is whisked up to a high point. He has shown all the kingdoms that are known at that time. And the devil says, look, this can be yours. This can all be yours if you'll worship me. If you'll give me some credit here. And again, Jesus replies with Scripture. Worship the Lord your God and serve only Him. 
Keep that in mind, my friends, for your temptations. Worship only the Lord and follow Him. Jesus is then given an opportunity to experience invulnerability. Now we know, because we're resurrection people, that Jesus overcomes death, even death on a cross. We know that. But at this point in time, when Jesus is being affirmed in His vocation, Jesus is tempted with this invulnerability, this awesome power. And Jesus again responds in Scripture, with Scripture to the devil. You will only worship the God and do not tempt the Lord your God. Do not test God. And how often you and I are guilty of that. Lord, if You'll just let me get through this, this pain, if, if You'll just help me find this job, if Lord, if this test, if I can just do well on this test, I, I promise I'll go to Sunday school. We all of the time are testing our God. But Jesus, in that fullness of humanity, gives us this opportunity to say, we can feel the power of the Holy Spirit. As I, as I tried to, uh, to explain to, to Zachary and Mary Elsie, it, we have this kind of scarecrow, if you will, this, this Holy Spirit that as we go grow closer to our God, as we learn more about our God, this Holy Spirit that is, that is present with us to give us the courage to not test God, but to believe that God is with us. There was a story of an Englishman who uh, was going to ride Niagara Falls, and so he got into that uh, proverbial barrel and went over Niagara Falls, and, and, and they said virtually came out unscathed, unharmed after going over the falls in a barrel. And they said a few years later, this same man slipped on a banana peel laying in the floor and was seriously injured in the fall. Go figure. Niagara Falls, hundreds of feet, water, drowning, injury, and a banana peel, and you fall to the floor right below your feet. You see, friends, sometimes it's in those small little things is where the biggest temptation can be found. Sometimes it's in those simple little acts or simple little thoughts that wind up being horrendous problems for us. So we need to be mindful. We need to be aware of those kinds of, of things that go on in our lives. You know, this, this symbolic 40 days of Jesus wandering in the wilderness, uh, we, we can see other times, other places in the Bible. Moses spent 40 days uh, uh, on the mountain with God. Moses, who had his own problems, who came down yet, he spent time fasting with God to experience. The Israelites wandered 40 years in the wilderness trying to get it right, learning how to be people of faith, uh, following, falling back into their own sinful ways, having to repent and be restored before they were finally delivered. Jesus, who sometimes is, uh, is referred to as the second Adam, because you see in the Garden of Eden, uh, the, the, the devil is a tempter there using words that pervert God's plans uh, to, to give people hope. And Adam fell prey to that, but Jesus does not fall prey to those words of the tempter. And Jesus shares in His strength and us with the power of the Holy Spirit to say no to those temptations. In Greek mythology, I was sharing in men's breakfast a month or so ago. There was a story I was reading in Greek mythology. Uh, in the I don't can't recall now whether it's the Iliad or the Odyssey, but but as the sailors uh, approached the island of where the Sirenes are, and the and the Sirenes with their seductive singing would would draw sailors to their island and, and forevermore be 
uh, be, be on bad terms uh, in the world because of the, the lure of the sirens. Uh, there, there's this image where the, the sailors, the captain of the ship, uh, puts cotton in their ears so the sailors can't hear as they pass the island of the sirens. And the captain is smart enough that he lashes himself to one of the masts so he himself uh, can, can withstand the temptation and not fall prey to the seductive voice of the sirens. Friends, we've been created in God's image and God has created us because God wants us to relate to God. Jesus spent those 40 days drawing closer to God and all the while in His weakness, the devil was tempting Him. Now did you notice when I finished up the passage of Scripture what the devil does? He doesn't say he'll never come back. But Luke tells us when the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. Jesus will come back. But so does the devil. The devil came back to Jesus at least in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was praying for a way through his situation. There is temptation out there, friends. We find ourselves so easily, but what I want you to remember is God wants you. And so during this season of Lent, stay focused. Learn about God. Learn about your brokenness so that you can, can be more open to how God can fill in those, those places of darkness with the light of God so that you can find hope and joy and love as God fills your life. But you have to be intentional. You need to be focused. You need to concentrate. And so we talk about cutting things out for Lent. Cut things out that are harmful. Put things that are good in its place. Find opportunities to be love, not just for God, but for other people. And so I encourage you during this first week of Lent to stay focused, to stay in touch, and to stay in love with God. And in just a moment, we're going to come to the Lord's table, a place where we are reminded often about how much God loves us. And these little simple gifts of bread and wine are just another reminder for you of what God is willing to do and how God wants to show you that you are indeed loved. Not broken by sin, but loved by Almighty God. So open your life this season of Lent. Prepare for Easter Take on something new. Learn. Learn what it means to be a child of God. In the name of the Father, and in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit.